Hey everybody, it's another Friday episode, but I'm not Kelton, so you know what that means. It's not a game episode this week. Dennis and myself have had a wonderful conversation with JP from BP Bledis about all sorts of fun stuff, and we got to discuss our thoughts on agriculture, uh, food security, uh, and drugs. Lots of just talking about drugs. We hope you enjoy it. Leave us a review uh, wherever you listen to us at. Uh, or drop us an at in the Discord to let us know how much you uh, just dislike change uh, in general and wish for the game back. Psychic Dolphin Garage. Here's the thing about zines is that they seem really cool and they're like an important part of a lot of different pieces of American cultural history, but like my introduction to DIY scenes came like I think on the tail end of the relevance of zines just with how much online shit was popping up and and really take like all shows were basically booked by Facebook events so like I'm at these punk shows in Pittsburgh in like I don't even know 2014 or 15 and I still think zines are pronounced zines because I have only seen oh my them God. written yeah for my entire life up to that point. <laughs> uh, scenes, scenes still play a pretty big part in uh, in L.A., especially in the DIY scenes, but um, cool. uh, especially since we have a lot of DIY venues around here. Um, but, uh, right. yeah, they're, they're not as big as they used to be. They, they were really big with the um, anti, anti-fascist witches uh, of the time. Okay, Yeah, cool. <laughs> that's the last time I heard of, like, a zine getting, like, super big. <laughs> was uh, the... Well, it seems like there there always has to be like a cultural interest jammed into it too. You can't just be like, "We are the anti-Nazi brigade." People will be like, "Cool, I'm anti-Nazi too." But then if you're like, "We're the weed-themed anti-Nazi brigade, and we play loud music," They're then like, people oh, are like, "Oh, I like these guys." There yeah. you go. You found your niche. I'm I'm always kind of like, I don't know. When I was growing up, my mom got really into like wiccan religions and the witchcraft stuff and the fancy you know stones that have this and that properties and i i just i have no patience for it but if you're if your witchcraft or your wizardry or whatever the fuck it is is anti-fascist then i guess i I have some patience for it you know (laughs) i can handle that i'm not a total douchebag is what i'm saying i'm not like a, a new atheist fedora wearing reddit user yeah no it's just you know all of our early 20s was people that were discovering pagan uh practices pagan practitioners and Mm -hmm. so now it's like you are either really invested in it or you aren't and either way uh that's not what's super important about you as a person right so um i mean it's important to them i'm sure but uh but yeah you know whichever whichever goddess you worship um just uh just so long as just so long as you curse the Nazis, you know, every now and then then we're cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's the move. Yeah, I'm chill with yeah. that. Yeah. So I and you know, if they want to put out a zine, that's fine, but WordPress is very <laughs> old at this point. So old in fact that everybody has given up on blogging and just makes a podcast instead. It's really um, the move. I mean, honestly, it's easier, I think, to record a podcast than it is to write a blog out. Um, it's easier because to people are more comfortable to talking. Podcast. 
Yeah, well, who wants to read a fucking blog post? Am I right, my friends? They're not even hosted on cheap little GeoCities pages with rotating, sparkling gifts of skulls and flowers anymore. So why even fucking bother? Look, I've I've upped my 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 tolerance to 280 characters uh, along with Twitter, <laughs> but that is all that I have time for in the 21st century. Yeah, it's, it's you know as I've been trying to read books again more, and I do feel like being as online as I've been has really killed my appetite for anything longer than like 15 pages, <laughs> and. Not to be a boomer about it, but like I do, I, I feel like I have to force myself to read really long things just to get my reading stamina back up. I mean, got to try it out. Join a book club. Yeah. Yeah. Join the Psychic Dolphin book club. Yeah. We read every Tuesday on stream. Hell yeah. And it also took us like f- six weeks to get through State and Revolution. Right. But like we had a lot of discussion in between things. It's not like we read the thing straight through. <laughs> We were we were yeah, being harassed by Nazis, by in some of it. <laughs> we were doing a spectacular ten pages a, a, a week. It That's was really... not that bad, actually. I mean, I gotta tell you, I did a, a solo podcast where I just read theory for a little while, and I would start off by trying to pick pieces that were like fifteen to twenty pages long, and I was like, I'll do this in an hour, and have to pad it out and all that shit. No, wrong. It even just with me tacking on my own analysis much less having anybody else to converse with like 13 pages is a is a jam-packed hour of material <laughs> 20 pages is like a two-parter you got to break it down <laughs> yeah. well because there's so much there's so much that all of the all of the books that I, I i assume you're reading you know leftist theory books which are written by people that are hyper specific to either certain events or certain movements that it's right. just hard to it's just hard to communicate all of the all of the context for the things that they're saying. Well, and I also feel like I cut my teeth, you know, in in school and and growing up and everything. In terms of reading, I cut my teeth on like long novels and like long pieces of fiction that were supposed to be entertaining and and I was entertained by them. And it's not that I'm not entertained by theory. It's just that like when I'm reading it, I'll catch myself trying to go faster to get to like the next cool thing, you know, which is normally character <laughs> exposition or like people chewing the scenery or a bit of plot development. But that's not in theory. You really need to like remind yourself it's okay to stay in first or second gear and go slow and make sure that you're actually digesting everything you're reading. Like I got this La Ruelle book, Philosophy and Non Philosophy. And when I sit down to read it, I'll read for like an hour and I'll kill like six pages because it's so fucking dense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's it's really uh it's really a great practice to do you know like you said you just have to you just have to sit down and do it i do believe mm-hmm. there are actually studies about how the kind of um you know wait for a notification get the notification um nature of social media has killed our our drive and our brain's attention mm-hmm. span for uh, in taking larger amounts of information at once, so, I think it just kind of short circuits us, right? Yeah. It's like it's like if you put a button in a rat cage that gives the rat cocaine, you know, and it's nothing just else. Like that rat is just eventually going to spam that button, right? Well, and uh, there's no food button, there's no play button, there's no go hang out with other rats button. So they're just going to spam that fucking 
cocaine button. And that's what it's like online. Like, I don't think that the notification dopamine surge and cycle is inherently a bad thing. But I think yeah. the fact that we're, we're all essentially like so starved for other options that that becomes such a like a, a prime driving force in our lives. I think that is there's something wrong with that. Yeah, because of capitalism. Hell yeah. Not be I mean, a Dolphin Garage episode without <laughs> us. Uh, you know, reminding you once again, capitalism is bad. Um, in a myriad of ways, not only uh, are we alienated, um, you know, from each other, which is why leftists invest in online projects like BP Lettuce and like Psychic Dolphin Garage, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because they're creating communities for other people to gather together. Um, you know, because they like weed, or because they yeah. like assorted drugs. Which is which is which is us uh, assorted drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, when I go to the drugstore, I always like to just go over to the assorted section and just grab a handful of a couple of different yeah, things. Yeah, like try them out, see yeah, how they feel. They don't even they don't even say what's on the label. They're just like they're like drug. <laughs> what if it was a what if it was like a curated monthly box <laughs> and they were like. Fill out this BuzzFeed style (laughs) quiz and we'll determine what kind of stuff to send you. And you're like, well, I'm not really an opiates or a benzos guy, but uppers (laughs) and psychedelics load me up, my friends. And they're just like, would you like to try psilocybin this week and 25 HN Bromo Dragonfly? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. And then when you go to when you go to, you know, the Whole Foods, they have those instead of pick six uh, craft beers, they have pick six drugs. (laughs) <laughs> and so you get you get your little box and you just you just fill up each little square with with you know whatever you want that way do you want some 4ACO DMT do you want some 2CB you know it's it's really it's really up to you hell yeah, yeah I'm gonna be an empath this weekend an <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take an MAOI and this weekend's gonna be 10 days long you know what I'm talking about <laughs> hey this would just be a really easy way for people also just to get like antidepressants <laughs> Yeah, well, like I people, mean, people are gonna start taking Xanax and be like, "Well, I don't feel anything." Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, or like you have to mod out your kit because you're like, "Well, okay, I finally found the SSRI that I like, and I definitely want to keep getting the Adderall prescription." So I got four free slots. What is it this week? And it's like, well, I've never tried mescaline. Give it a go. Of course, if you're on an SSRI, you probably shouldn't take mescaline. But that's a whole different. That's yeah, that's a whole different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Has anybody is there an Irawid cast? Is there a blue light cast? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, where, are my dr- hell yeah. where are my drug forum podcasts? Just a bunch of just a bunch of sweaty, pimply dudes sitting around like someone who isn't me took twenty five milligrams of that and tripped their fucking balls off. Uh well, you know, then all their bonus content is them it's like our, our fanfic. Uh, episode that we have up on Patreon. It's just them reading trip reports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now this didn't happen That's to me, but <laughs> there is an entheogen show. An entheogen show. Entheogen. Uh, if you want to get real entheogenic. This was posted in 2015, so that's... There were still good research chemicals available on the internet in 2015. That yep. was during the day of the, the 2C-something-N-BOM uh, uh, explosion. That well, was kind of, that was almost. I feel like that was almost like 
not like like right after the peak of the end bomb explosion i did so many end bombs mm-hmm. um, those were so fun i mean because they were great when you would get the original two c's they would show up as a powder people yeah. would be tempted to sniff them they would burn the shit out of your sinus cavity oh i can't and, like i can't imagine like tripping while having that just eating a hole in your face <laughs> So fucking unpleasant. But then when the end bombs came around, they were measured in the microgram doses and they yep. were dispersed into blotter. It was so fucking nice. And blotter was so is so easy to take everywhere with you. Mm-hmm. You yeah, because you can just about. slide a little sheet in your wallet, and then you have like forty fucking hits on you. <laughs> That's See, like two good nights. I'm a good little boy. I don't know anything <laughs> about drugs at all. But what it does sound like is that the market's wide open. So if you want to do this podcast, go right ahead. <laughs> Honestly, you know, an Arrowwood podcast is gonna the Arrowwood podcast is gonna be like like throwback when we're finally when we are finally doing like dad rock, um, but in the twenty fifties. <laughs> so what what would what's gonna end up being dad rock in the twenty like Madden Dragons or something stupid like that? Uh, Gangnam Please. Style. Oh no, <laughs> that's gonna be on the classic rock station. Well, you, like you know, okay, so. You know how the machine of the classic rock station gradually accumulates more shit? Like, I was listening to classic rock at work for the last couple of weeks because the old guys there like to listen to it. And they would play, like, Led Zeppelin and then Blondie and then some other shit. And I'm like, already an eclectic mix. And then, like, Soundgarden comes on. And I'm like, you absolutely (laughs) are not allowed to put 90s grunge bands on classic rock radio because when I was a kid... That was cutting edge shit. That was on the like, we only play, you know, fucking alternative rock, WGRD. Like, mm-hmm. that was like, that was the shit. And I now mean, it's like, it's dad stuff. And I have I a mean, beer belly and my knees hurt when I walk upstairs. That is, <laughs> that is literally me. That, that is 100% <laughs> me. I was born in 1990. There's no way that like anything that I would have listened to when I was quote unquote young would have been is on classic rock yet well that's like i was born in 91 but i also lived in west michigan which is a place where like the mid 90s oh it died for a long time it never stopped Mm. yeah you're not 30 yet though so you don't get to you know not quite yeah not quite you don't get you don't get to be a dad just yet like just you know (laughs) you don't get to the legal designation of dad Right, right. No, well, and I mean, like, you can fast track it by just having a kid, but my God, I don't think I ever want to do that. No. <laughs> why Why would one ever? Just like the Mr. Krabs reaction where he's like, I like money. <laughs> <laughs> Raising kids is fucking terrifying. Yeah, Zach, uh, you, you have two children, three children now. Three children. Three children. They mm-hmm. are all three months old. They are um, all rats. Wow. They are all rats. <laughs> And we played with Beautiful. them today. We let them all out on the bed, and they just run around. And then I put, I make a bridge from the cage to the bed, and then they just run up and down me like six billion times. Damn! Why would you even play an open world video game when you could just have <laughs> three month old rats? I, I, you know, um, sometimes you really that's I've I've eliminated open world video games now. It's only League because you're a piece of garbage. Yes. <laughs> Because you yes. suck shit and you are dumb. Well, you know, Dennis wants us to play better video games for the stream. So someone has to make the sacrifice. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean better as in it's a good video game. I mean better as in like a lot of people play the video game. So, mm-hmm. um, And, uh, you know, all we do is, is chase uh, 
you know, chase the things that are most popular. And, uh, and that is how I'm going to transition us uh, into what I would like to be talking about for this episode, which <laughs> is, uh, you know, the very popular practice of, of growing food. Mm-hmm. Um, JP, would, yeah. you, would you describe yourself as an agorist? Uh, I don't know. I, the, where I've seen agorism before, I've seen it in the, uh, in like the anarchy ball kind of circles. Yeah. Cause there's a, there's a weird right wing type of anarchism that is like free markets is like, is it, that's the whole ideology. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to buy and sell stuff and they call themselves agorists. So that that tends to be more like the homesteaders, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, in terms of just like like growing your own food, like I think that's an absolutely critical thing that people should do. Like whether I I think it can be revolutionary. I think it's not necessarily revolutionary, depending on how you do it. But I do think that it's pretty much universally a good idea, and that like a higher level of self reliance among people who live in the United States which would be, you know, granted by growing your own food would be an incredibly uh advantageous thing to have if you're trying to foment let's say revolutionary activity. Right. Yeah, supposedly, theoretically. Theoretically in mm-hmm. Minecraft. And of course, of course. Um which I I also can't grow food in Minecraft. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Dennis collects the cats to keep the zombies away. That is that is Dennis's role in the Minecraft commune. That's um, a great role to have. You got to have the cat herder. Mm-hmm. It's, Honestly, it's, it is a herd at this point. There were yeah. like six of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, growing food is good. Uh, growing food for yourself is even better. I, right. I think it's amazing that uh, you know reactionaries even have their own um, even have their own uh, movements, such as homesteaders, which is what I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the only like two degrees removed from three percenters, so. Not not great. Uh, the ideology that they ascribe to not great, but the idea of um, growing your own food, of of at least eating right. local food, is is kind of gaining popularity in the U.S. But yeah, it is, I mean, it is through like bourgeois means. However, yeah, well, in a lot of ways, like the principal people that I know that grow their own food are my dad and his wife. They have like a little half acre garden and they grow tomatoes and potatoes and celery and carrots and turnips and all that fucking shit. And it's awesome. And I love going over there and eating their fresh food. And they send me home with, you know, bags of tomatoes, bags of weed. They grow some weed in their in their little greenhouse. It's legal yeah. up there. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> you know, they're they're not doing it out of any like good politics they're just doing it because it's a means to whatever end they want to have and the end that they want to have you know they're almost retired is self self-reliance and also my dad is afraid that the united states is going to crumble into a hellfire of war and destruction and he thinks that some tomatoes will be powerful bargaining just chips. An, Who knows? it'll just it be, be right. enough it it actually does remind me of um my uh grandmother who uh grew up uh picking uh blueberries and cotton and uh oranges in the fields of azusa and um they weren't allowed to eat any of that food so when they were at home they had to grow their own food and uh she kind of kept that and 
She'd often grow things like the big thing that she would grow would be strawberries because um, she found them to be very impressive nice. to grow. Uh, to grow, and so now my mom is actually currently growing stra- strawberries in, uh, I guess, in memory of my, or I, in, I should say, in memory of my grandmother's garden. My grandmother's still alive. She's just, uh, <laughs> she's just not all there anymore. But it's, um, a, it's a continuation of tradition. We'll say. Right. Um, yeah. It, yeah. As and the it, line goes, rage, rage against the dying of the nightshade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my my grandmother also did teach me when I was living with her how to how to grow a few things. Uh, so under her supervision, I was able to grow um, some beans and some chilies and Hell garlic yeah. and potatoes and ginger. Um, yeah. The garlic was mostly because uh, my grandma said that uh, if you grow garlic, cats won't pee in your garden. Oh, that's smart. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's one of those grandma things. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to have some extra garlic around it. Well, plus it's a nice little spread there. I mean, you got potatoes and you got beans, so there's your starch and your protein, and then everything else can season it up or and then you add to it. Trap yeah. the cats and eat cat. No, <laughs> I told you I'm, I'm a vegan. I don't do that. Well, Dennis, uh, well, I hate to tell you uh, what was in the stew that I gave you. It was you didn't. I certainly not cat i'm um, not i'm not getting it i i might have to i might have to step out of the garage for a moment goodness uh certainly <laughs> agorism as a as a as a political position i i find very similar um similar goals as cynicalism um which is mm-hmm. uh, trade unions um yeah uh, i think in a way it's just um it's it's a rural reflection of the the urbanness of syndicalism right right it's like saying yeah. well if you're if you're analyzing where the source of material power is in the city it's obviously in the factory it's obviously in the in the ceo's ceo's office or or you know on the shop floor but out in the country it's it's more often than not it's in the field and you know it, it's one thing like you can absolutely take over farms you can unionize farms you can get like a federation of independently owned farms and stuff but if you want to just break the cycle of uneven food distribution in a local way you can absolutely start growing your own and it's really not that complicated i mean shit youtube exists now and people who grow shit love to take videos of themselves growing it um, I watched a, a video of a, a guy who lived down in Missouri, I think, who was growing giant Walla Walla onions in his side yard. And he was <laughs> Ooh, talking yummy. about, we're going to make a hell of a blooming onion out of this later. And I was just transfixed by the energy that this man had for these onions, because that's the energy that I want to have, too. Hell yeah. I, I, I love I love that. Um, I love that dichotomy. I had never thought of it that way, that uh that you know unionism is kind of more of the the urban center uh of power and and agorism kind of reflects the the nature of small towns which when everything is brought in you're you're connected to <clears throat> you're you're stuck with relying on the supply lines on the supply chain providing you with the things that are necessary uh not only right. to survive but also the comforts that you have Whereas so a lot of these rural areas are like food deserts, basically. Like mm-hmm. if you yeah. don't have access to food from your own farm, you might have to drive 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, you know, an even hour. longer West to get Texas. to 
Yeah, and just to get to like the nearest store, and they mm-hmm. might not have a good selection. It might be hella expensive. You know, you might have to drive even further to find an Aldi or a Big Lots or a Costco or whatever. Oh, uh, you it's can't just find those outrageous. The the big one that actually I think provides, as far as I know, a lot of food to those small towns is uh, companies like uh, Brookshire Brothers, which okay. is actually now shutting down because of. Uh, because of the economic downturn and and COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. so um, damn, which, yeah, which is kind of kind of scary. But uh, I'm telling you, uh, the best the best grocery store in the United States that I know of is Wegmans, and they're mostly in the Northeast. In fact, they're not even in Pittsburgh. I have to go up to Erie or Rochester to get uh-huh. to a Wegmans. But uh, they're so great, and they have this amazing hot food section. They're definitely going to be the first grocery chain that we take over and, <laughs> and, 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 and make horizontally organized. And then we'll spread it across the country. We'll get it down there to Texas. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's I, good to I, hear. I still like Aldi, I think, because it is Texas and because it's such a... It's the closest I mean, you're going to get to Trader Joe's over in Texas. Yeah, we right. do have Trader. Fact about Aldi is that uh, Trader Joe's is operated in the United States. Okay, so Aldi was one <laughs> company founded a long time ago, and then two brothers took it over and they split it in half. And one half, Aldi Nord, which is Aldi North in German, I guess, um, operates. Uh, Trader Joe's in the United States mm-hmm. and Aldi Sud or I forget what it is Aldi South basically operates Aldi in the United States but then in Europe Aldi Nord operates Aldi and Trader Joe's who knew okay that's, that's weird yeah super strange mm-hmm. I'm sure it's you know something in there is about hiding money that's coming in i don't know i don't know <laughs> apparently the i think i think the brothers hate each other so maybe they're maybe they're just hiding each other or each other's money they're just like hiding it from so so, yeah. so i live in an incredibly urban area um i don't even think that my uh city has a community garden um and last last time i last time i tried growing something um it it died it like I killed succulents, JP. Oh, oof! That, I, I mean, that is rough, but it can I, happen. I yeah. like I if you want to, I took a botany class. If you want to know anything about Brassicaceae, I'm I'm the person for you. But if you want me okay. to actually grow you a bok choy, it's not gonna happen. Um, <laughs> well, here's the thing: is like growing in an urban environment can be really challenging, and especially if you want to do it well, sometimes it requires a little bit more of a startup cost, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of really great resources out there. Um, there's a couple of Facebook groups that I joined over the course of my couple years long infatuation with uh, Murray Bookchin and all of the weirdness that comes along with his kind of philosophies. And I ended up in a Facebook group called Wild Green Memes for Ecological Teens. And I ended up in another group called Leftist Gardening Club. And a couple of people that I've become pretty tight with on Facebook are big time posters in there. And they have like, you know, degrees in botany or degrees in they're horticulturalists or, or whatever. And they do this stuff professionally. And the sophistication, the level of sophistication of aeroponic and hydroponic technologies right now, even to grow very, you know, uh, water, water needy 
uh, plants like tomatoes is like really very, very advanced. And especially uh, if you want to grow leafy greens like kale, mustard greens, bok choy, shit like that, you can absolutely grow a very large number of calories in a very, very small number of cubic feet. Cool. And now I just got to move to an apartment that allows me to do that. Hell yeah. Yeah. That could be rough too. What's crazy? I mean, my, luckily, my landlord doesn't know about the shoebox full of mushroom spores I got growing <laughs> in the closet. Am I right, my friends? Hell yeah. yeah. What's uh, What's crazy about like the advancement of uh, technology, of growing technology, as it were, um, is that a lot of the a lot of the urban dilemmas that we have, you know, space. Um, water in cities sometimes n- not as uh, not as cheap as we would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, certainly, certainly the lack of, especially in the South, community gardens. You know, the war gardens that that they had in World War Two were were torn torn out, burned down, replaced because they didn't want the hippies eating the fruit, uh, just having free food available to them. Um, so we we've you know we've we've removed kind of these these community oriented means that people would have to grow these things we've packed them into apartments um you know without access to uh, a yard and even a lot of houses that do have yards you're not you don't have good soil like you said it's a it's a big investment and then we all you know we're not necessarily um an hour away from a grocery store in a big city we are an hours you know we're not an hour's drive away we're an hour's walk away because we don't have a great you know we don't have a means of transportation to get us to the grocery store sometimes right and, well, and if you live in a city your cost of living is so much higher and so even though you might not be under the same like geographical or like time-based constraints you're under a lot more of financial constraints especially if you don't have yes. like a really good job like it can cost a lot of money to go out and find decent wood to build raised beds and fill them with soil and mm-hmm. plant all your seeds in a line. And then you have to have time every you know day or couple of days to go out and tend to them and check them and take readings on them. Like it, it's a labor intensive process Is, and I, it, it, it can be really hard for a lot of people to get started. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and it's not, uh, and it's, and a lot of the, a lot of the organizations that are built around getting food, fresh local produce to people are either uh, food co-ops that are not run as a means to, as a means to guarantee access to fresh produce for individuals. Mm. A lot of the food co-ops, I'm talking specifically about Houston here. A lot of the ones here are <clears throat> kind of this this uh, suburban mom that wants to, <laughs> that doesn't want to go to Whole Foods. But once something that is nice and good, and it does feel it, good to go <laughs> kind of participate in this community and support these local growers. Well, it's the same all over, you know, like here in Pennsylvania and also in Michigan. Like my mom, you know, she married a man who has a pretty good amount of money. And so she does most of her shopping at Whole Foods. Hell but yeah. when she wants to feel really fucking good about the stuff she's going and buying, she goes to the East End Co-op here in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. which is like, sure, it's a co-op and like... But it's not really a co-op. You know, you don't have to spend hours working there to have a membership. You can just pay a little bit more. And, like, does it provide cheaper goods and services? No, it provides boutique goods and services. Yes. Which is, like, mm-hmm. I don't really think that that's what a co-op needs to be. Like, if if you really want to call it a cooperative grocery store or a cooperative farm or whatever stage of the, the chain that you're trying to break into – 
you need to like try and like present a real challenge to commercially operated mass producing farms and something that offers multiple people livelihoods either in the form of a, a, a job that is actually fulfilling and, and pays them out for the real effort, the real labor that they put in, or in the form of something that provides goods and services that people can afford in a place where they need to access them. <clears throat> well, and the point of all this is also that we're not only giving, creating a better product for people right. that want to eat, um, <clears throat> that want to survive. If you take a holistic view of supply chains, then you're looking at uh, produce that is shipped in from overseas, that is grown in you know one state and then shipped out to the rest of the U.S. Um, people don't people in the U.S. don't eat locally just because of the way that we've designed the food system here. You're welcome for right. all those uh, almonds, by the way. <laughs> We're in a drought like... over here in California, but, you know, keep eating your almonds, folks. Keep, <laughs> keep pumping the water into the fucking almonds. Yeah, almonds take an insane amount of, of water to produce. They're almost as water, as high in their water requirement as, like, meat, right? Even though yeah. carnivorous, or even though the animals that we eat are eat so many plants that require that much more of an order of magnitude of water. Y'all just, just mm-hmm. drink oat milk. It's creamier anyway. Yeah. No, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, and that's the other thing too, is it's like, um, the, the infatuation with fad foods and with different kinds of diets and alternative eating lifestyles and this and that, like, I don't care if you're keto, I don't care what kind of like fucking diet you line up for yourself, but it is important to remember that like, for instance, when quinoa became really fucking popular in the United States, quinoa is predominantly grown in Peru. And mm-hmm. the Peruvian farmers who grow the quinoa rely on that quinoa as a source of food. It's a staple crop for them to eat. It's a big part of their diet. And when it became in insanely high demand in the United States, the prices got jacked up all across the board, including in Peru. And pretty soon these farmers were no longer to eat the food that they were – they were no longer able to eat the food that they were growing. Which is insane to me. Yeah, uh, the supply chains, global supply chains, uh, just—they're designed to—they're designed to bring. I mean, all imperialism is designed to to centralize wealth in imperial core countries, but the supply yeah. chains are, are, you know, another extension of that. In that, well, yeah, we're we're destroying ecosystems. Um, not necessarily, not even like necessarily like uh, specific to uh, you know the way we think of ecosystems being pristine forests. We we disrupt ecosystems with our consumption on a global scale, and there's no there's yeah. no uh, there's no stopgap to that. There's not a there's not a a a pressure valve for that. There's just people starve because we want something. Well, it's all a continuation of what's been going on for so long. I mean, think about how much havoc the British Empire and the honorable, quote-unquote, honorable East India Trading Company wreaked on the entire world in the name of making sure that British people had cheap tea. You know, yeah. like they, they waged two wars over opium over tea. Like, that's some pretty great lengths to go to. And it's the same thing you see with, like, international fruit and the the uh, massacre of uh, workers who would harvest bananas in Colombia 
and uh, or wait, that, I, I think I might be getting my massacres mixed up because there was an international <laughs> fruit massacre, and then the Coca-Cola Corporation hired some mercenaries to kill some union organizers in Colombia. Yeah, uh, and I think they their they and their families were shot, and their bodies were thrown into the sea. Like, there's just so many instances of it. Yeah, it was a um, uh, it was United Fruit that was in uh, Central America, and then Dole in uh, um, in Hawaii. Okay, that's right. Yep. I mean, it, and that's that's just it, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's all arms of the same thing. It's like, yeah. I remember being in high school and everybody was like, oh, Dick Cheney, he's the Halliburton guy. And I was like, what the fuck does Halliburton have to do with running the country? Turns out, <laughs> everything. Everything. <laughs> Literally everything. <laughs> As I was soon to discover, that's me there. How did I get here? <laughs> Record scratch. <freeze laughs> Curb your enthusiasm theme. Yes. Planting your own garden is almost... A revolutionary act in the 21st century i mean it really can be i think that if you do it in the right way and you make it the kind of boon to your community that it can be and you and you use it in a way that interrupts the profits of capitalists in your region um it i don't i don't i hesitate to say that it is automatically a revolutionary act or that it's easy to roll into being a revolutionary act but it I think that it is in all cases compatible with revolutionary acts and certainly is a is a very, very smart way to support doing them. Yeah, well, because not only is it one of the most effective ways to combat climate change that we can do on an almost individual um, level, because it directly, because when you're consuming products that you're creating on, you know, on land, you're not, you're, you're bypassing the global chain of the global supply chain of of exploiting workers, of transporting goods across the world, and then uh, you know selling those goods that are necessary for our survival for a profit right. as as a means to obtain profit. Um, it's also well, been bit- it's also been used in in uh, in in countries specifically as a response to. Uh, uh, in uh, for in Cuba, for instance, uh, as a response to the uh, U.S. blockade of yeah uh, of goods to Cuba. Well, like, and uh, uh, the North Korea as well, the DPRK. Yeah, North Korea I mean, as well. With all of the sanctions and everything that have been imposed on them for so long, embargoes and this and that, they've had to um, maintain a really rigorous and and. Uh, strict policy of self-reliance and i think that that's a really powerful thing and i think that it's also a political message that is weirdly compatible with american culture right Mm -hmm. it's like rugged individualism absolutely includes growing corn we literally have like a bp just about puts out commercials that say uh, that energy independence is central to the american ideal well, and what could be more independent than not needing BP anymore? You know, British <laughs> petroleum. I don't need these. I don't need these bean-eating Brits telling me what's the American ideal. I tell you what. <laughs> I mean, uh, Thomas Sankara, uh, he who feeds you controls you. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it's absolutely true. It's like whoever has access to control over whatever the most important things in your life are has an inordinate amount of control over you. Like, that's why people don't real. I think a lot of Americans don't realize that, like, landlords 
are your enemy. Landlords have a yeah. crazy amount of control over your life. Your your employer or the HR person for your employer has a crazy amount of control over your life. Yeah, and you, you know, can call like, them a busybody, but that doesn't change the fact that they determine and codify behavioral uh, norms in the workplaces in the U.S. Right. Well, and like, you know, I get it. A lot of people aren't ready to see the end of capitalism, don't have the imagination for it, don't think that it's possible. Whatever. Whatever dumbass <laughs> fucking objection to yeah. it that they have. Uh, but maybe here, the, I've been th- mulling this over for the last couple of days. As a compromise, as a stepping stone towards socialism, maybe if somebody has a lot of control over you, say they're your landlord, your boss, your HR person, whatever, you should just be able to fucking hit them once a week (laughs) just like if they really if if your landlord's like we gotta raise the rent 25 dollars starting this month you should just be able to like take your ring off and backhand (laughs) right across the fucking face uh we we just did a uh, a podcast with uh Nick from Means TV. I wonder if he'd be cool with that because uh he said that he has to take the boss role every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like a lot of leftists who are getting older or who are embarking on really serious projects find themselves in that position, right? Cuz the contradiction of authority doesn't like go away just because you're the cool anarchist guy. Like if you're in charge of something, you're in charge of something. You have a measure of responsibility to exert over it and to make sure that it goes well so uh yeah i mean i don't know if it's appropriate in all situations but um i think i think that if you're in in that situation you should be like the the badass thing to do right the chad thing to do would be like yeah if you have a problem hit me in the face like (laughs) just embrace it i solve all my issues with with physical violence yeah, but not the way you think. I received the violence. <laughs> <laughs> but not the way you think. Fastens collar on neck. That's right. Pulls out nipple clamps. I'm ready to s- resolve these issues with Y'all, you. Y'all, we, we could just do the bonobo thing and jerk each other off. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to muster up an objection to it, but I think it would work. <laughs> <laughs> of course consensually like we like everything would be consensual but the thing is is like you know the like the bonobos are very closely related to us they get along just fine yeah yeah the the they answer do. is casual sex all the time <laughs> casual just hand jobs well it's like whatever i there's a kernel of truth to that though right because it's like what human beings really want that capitalism doesn't let them have is something uninhibited something that arrives and and just is what it is and doesn't come with any kind of baggage something that is capitalism everything comes with baggage right like that's why i like to smoke weed so much because when i put weed in a bowl and light it on fire and inhale that smoke i know what i'm getting it just is what it is yeah uh you know there's a word for like the process that all these things that we consider hobbies or interests or, um, you know, thing activities, um, right? Uh, you know, things that we enjoy doing that maybe become there's some sort of uh, commodification that happens with all of these things over and over relentlessly. By the way, donate to our Patreon. And yeah. Well, and I think also like when you have a hobby, sometimes you're forced to commodify it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pressure can become 
from you know it can start coming from inside yourself like it can become internalized pressure even podcasting even podcasting yeah yeah oh my god (laughs) my 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 new sideshow just launched a patreon and i'm trying to shepherd people towards it the show's called work stoppage by the way patreon.com slash work (laughs) stoppage but it just feels like it feels like really dumb and dishonest because i'm out here being like Oh yeah, we should take down capitalism, form a union, and maybe give me five dollars a month to listen to my idiot voice some more. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I, I assuage my conflicts. You may be downloading emotions. this. It, it, the way you download this, his voice might sound idiotic, but to me, he is, <laughs> it is caressing my ears currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just try and make myself feel better by throwing links to like you know labor-related organizations people can donate to in the show notes, even though I. No, that probably doesn't do as much good as I'd like it to. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we just need to convince the IWW that we indeed are, you know, worker, industrial workers. I, right. Look, podcaster. I, look, uh, the second thing I'm going to do after we get uh, the Houston chapter sorted is work towards creating a a podcasters union. That is, I guarantee that right there. You, It'll never. Well, I almost think uh, you know, podcasters are basically self-employed. Um, or like, you know, they're beholden to their co-hosts or whatever. It's basically self-employment. I feel like more than a union, podcasters really need like a federation, Hmm. like some kind of... Their uh, own country. Yeah. We, hey, we did, we were talking about on our stream last time, getting that (laughs) silo. (laughs) There's a big old, yeah, there's a big old like nuclear silo up in, uh, North Dakota. Hell Yeah. Let's empty it out and fill it up with grain and medical marijuana. uh, Fuck yeah. It's like nuclearsiloforsale.com or something. Really? It's only $1.5 million, too. Like, between our two Patreons. That's that's cheaper than... How much active radioactive material do they have on site? (laughs) That's the real question. Because, okay, it's like, you know, when you buy a car, what are you paying for? You know, you're paying for the engine block and the the interior design. So, mm-hmm. friend of the show Artemis said that she would fly me out there if someone can go ahead and get me uh, a Geiger counter. I don't think you can take those on planes. Uh, send it to <laughs> whatever like you know hotel I'm staying at in North Dakota. <laughs> ha- like just Amazon it to me or something, and then I can go ahead and see how much residual radiation's on here and see if it's okay for us to farm on it. How about that? If you if if you if you if you go out there, I will mail you a Geiger counter. This <laughs> yeah. this I promise. I'll mail you a Geiger counter and a fucking hazmat suit. You'll be all set. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I think we should take over the town of uh in Pennsylvania. I think it's in eastern Pennsylvania that's just constantly on fire because of coal oh, mine cent- under it. Centralia. Yeah. Centralia, yeah. Which is not in central Pennsylvania, which sucks. Uh but it's in eastern Pennsylvania. And yeah, the fucking coal mines under it caught fire. It's been on fire for like f- f- thirty years, forty. Yeah, years, it's supposed like to be that. on fire for like another hundred years or something. That fucking rules. I want to shoot it's, a music video there. It's like hell, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think Centralia, Pennsylvania, and Hell, Michigan should get together and throw uh, one hell of a hell festival. Just switch which yeah. city it's in each year. The the U.S. federal government knows when the when the volcano underneath of uh, Yellowstone is going to erupt, and it's uh, once the fires in Pennsylvania reach it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hell yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, I certainly think that it's 
interesting that none of the I, I say interesting, we know why, but none of the organizations that are that are built around um, you know, helping people without food in, in urban areas um, are focused on creating uh, you know, dual, dual power systems um, that are going to replace that are going to replace like the way that we get food currently. Like a lot of that is based on 501 C three uh charitable yeah. organizations that take money from companies who uh run the supply chains well that's the thing is it's like once you're a big enough entity you get involved in interacting with local government and then if you keep getting bigger you get involved in interacting with county and state government and national government and like you know so a lot of these organizations they become detached from what their original aims were because somebody in the higher ups in the organization gets dollar signs in their eyes and they're like, Oh, this could be a national chain. This could be this and that. This could be the other thing. So I think what's really important is making sure that whatever projects you're doing, stay focused on the communities that they're serving. And that's really tough. Cause like, I'll be the first one to tell you, like, I don't think recycling fucking does anything. I don't think the, the majority of individual quote unquote individual actions of resistance or whatever do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I like about the idea of growing food and what they is one is that it's infectious. You can get other people to do it, but two, it actually does like attack a chink in the armor of capitalism, right? Like mm-hmm. there's, there's like a, there's, there's a, you can, you can make an opening in a community where you are really establishing some measure of independence. And then when those people are less reliant on the structures of capitalism that they're forced into, they have more time to work on getting around those other structures. So like whether it's food whether it's housing whether it's uh access to education um you know just major things if you can attack any one of those you're giving people a leg up in making themselves independent from the other ones and that's the beauty of having um you know specifically gardens but all sorts of organizations that are that are community oriented community mm-hmm. gardens community uh i i was homeschooled so we had uh homeschool uh, cooperatives where all the moms come together and teach us, teach us, uh, teach the kids, you know, different subjects. Some of them were math teachers, some of them were art teachers, um, right? And that was that's interesting. Yeah, and that was that was a great way to learn and to share your resources with other people to to educate your children um, in a way that is not reliant on the public schools, which suck. Uh, yeah, but here in, here you also Texas were like, yeah, I was going to say you were also uh, brainwashed. We're not uh... going to talk about the religious brainwashing that comes <laughs> hand in hand with homeschooling, okay? Like, Hey, well, here's the thing. In Texas, that happens in the public school, too. Uh, I'm just going to say uh, yeah, <laughs> education, yeah. education I mean, in public may, or in Texas, maybe not the best. It wasn't that much better in Michigan. I remember being in ninth grade biology and my biology teacher had to be like, okay, I'm going to teach evolution now. So, you know, just so everybody knows, all of this is just a theory. And those of you whose parents have decided they don't want you to be present for this part can go to their independent study courses now. (laughs) I am so happy to be a coastal elite and be in California. Like, <laughs> like, it was not controversial in my school at all. Oh, it was so controversial in my area because we have, like, a bunch of different kinds of evangelical 
Protestants, plus a pretty strong Catholic diocese just an hour away in Grand Rapids. So, like, I would say, like, half my class was not present for anything that would have been Jesus would have challenged their religious upbringing. That, like you could, you couldn't even get out of sex ed in my school. Like, I mean, that rules. I don't think, I mean, I think sex ed is super important. Learning about right. dick and balls is good. Mm-hmm. Dick and I balls mean, yeah. and ovary and other things. Well, and the other, the funny, okay, so here's the thing, is when teachers teach sex ed and the kids are like, ha penis, and they can't handle themselves, uh, the teachers will get, like, flustered. I think that you should just let kids laugh at penises and, like, you know, they, vagina they brought in like else. a They brought in a cool person from Planned Parenthood to, ta- to teach us about it. That's a good way to do it. Yeah, I would, it was, it was like I, I would kill nurse. to get a coastal elite education. That's I know. I like when, because the rest of the shows from Texas, when they tell me things like, I'm like, wait, you didn't learn about like you know how Texas was once part of Mexico or something, and they're like, no, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like <laughs> basic things that like I or like you know the Catholic Church is overreaching uh, power in this whole part of the country. They're like, no. Like what the hell? I would at least hope that they would teach you that Catholics are bad. All that all they taught us in Michigan was that during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was really impressed with Michigan troops, and he <laughs> wrote some nice words about them in a letter one time. That was like what they really thought was important to teach us. That's great. I mean, I I yeah, I did all... learn a little. That it seems so weird to me now, um, because. Zach, you do seem to have like lucked out with having like been taught these things at homeschool, even though there's some weird, maybe uh, very far right wing anti government sentiment to it. Whereas, like, yeah, I got a fairly like like the idea of what like a liberal in California is going to learn. But like, hey, there was drafting and woodshop in my working class school still. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they handed me the books. They didn't proofread it themselves, so that's their fault, really. <laughs> I'm sorry that I read the books, um, I, I, you know, actually read them. I was, uh, I was really lucky that I think my parent, I think my parents knew that Michigan schools were, by and large, not very good. So we lived in a in a tourist town where, like, there weren't that many people in our income bracket. And there were a lot of vacation homes there. And since education funding is based on uh, estate or real estate tax, um, this, the public school that I went to was exceptionally well-funded. Nice. Um, Damn. Which was not a bad way to go. And then, yeah, I had like one really cool English teacher who was like, you're pretty smart. Here's a list of existentialist thinkers. If you want to do your weekly book reports on... Camus and St- Sartre instead of maybe the most dangerous game that would probably be good. <laughs> That's that. It's still true though. The most dangerous game is man. Yeah. Have you ever tried? I mean, have you ever tried dating men? Terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, uh, Rambo: First Blood, not quite as good as. Uh, as reading, um, you know, actual historical accounts of of uh, the Civil War and and the uh, the truth behind why the North fought the South. Not, of course, discounting Rambo First Blood as a as a bad movie. That's basically uh, 
It, it's basically uh, Eric Dorner, but <laughs> 20 years too early? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Go watch Renegade's Cut. Renegade Cut's video about it. It's actually really good. Okay, I don't think I've ever seen a Rambo movie. They're not in my good. life. They're not. They're not actually <laughs> good. They're. It's. They've gotten worse too because, uh, because Sylvester Stallone keeps getting older and doing more, uh, doing more drugs about it. <laughs> so who do you think is who do you think is aged worse, Sylvester Stallone or the other great uh, SS initials actor Steven Seagal? Uh, Seagal has always been bad, so I would, I'm gonna go with Seagal. I mean, oh, okay, that, that's an interesting take. I, I would say that like Seagal is not, um, has not tried to, has not tried to like maintain, uh, maintain any of the like, any of the image. No, he does fake martial arts now and yeah, but he's also, guitar albums. He's also a cop. Oh, damn. That's oh, that's true. true. That's true. I don't, so that immediately makes him worse. I don't know. My I just, favorite, I just my, think... My favorite uh, deteriorating celebrity with the same initial for their first and last name is Matthew McConaughey. Um. He did these wild turkey ads, I think, some kind of honey whiskey ads, where he would just like sit by a campfire and like waggle his fingers in the air. And it was the most like mystifying commercial I had ever seen in my life. And I'd get visibly agitated (laughs) when it came on. (laughs) I really hate Matthew McConaughey more than I thought I could hate a celebrity. I don't know why the only Texas representation we get is Matthew McConaughey. It's not fair, really. I know. Is he from Texas? That sucks. Yeah. Yep. I'm sorry. Yep. He does. He has. Well, like, he tries to like a drawl, but it's clear that he's been like, in California since he was like fourteen <laughs> years old. It's like I was. I, I was gonna say it's. He's the only. The only reason why you can like Texas can claim him is because that accent hasn't fully gone away. Most of them just lose that accent as soon as they come here, and they're like, "I'm from Hollywood." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones is also born here. Like that's Oof. barely better. <laughs> it's like when I found out ACDC was from Australia. I was like, wow, so sorry, Aussie. Good try. <laughs> At least you have Tism. Oh man. Well, um I guess uh I guess that's all that's all the time that we need from you, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh this is right. any any closing remarks? Uh yeah, I think it's badass to grow food. I think you should do it. Uh and I think that if you do it right, you can scale it up into some really cool shit. Um I have a couple of podcasts. One is called Beep Beep Lettuce, which is more funny and fun times. One is it's... called Work Stoppage, which is more like serious, but we still tell jokes. I'm still high the whole time. <laughs> Beep Beep Lettuce um, is not about you uh just growing lettuce then is it no it's not but maybe the future holds mysterious things we might eventually do a horticulture segment hey that'd be really cool hey work stoppage sounds like a really cool uh podcast y'all just talk about labor labor rights the working class. yeah a lot of it is just me googling which strikes have been going on in the united states we also cover international strikes but primarily the u.s uh, and there's just a lot more of them 
than you would think. So we do profiles of the unions that are representing the workers. We do profiles of the companies and the different ways that they've handled labor relations in the past. And then at the end of every episode, we do a meme review. So it's not all serious <laughs> bullshit the whole time. Right, right. And of course, uh, BP Bledis, um, you know, that well-researched, um, completely serious <laughs> podcast about important <laughs> happenings. About lettuce. There, there are no furry jokes. Uh, there is no sound effects. There is no frivolity on BP Plus. <laughs> it's basically uh, citations needed mixed with RevLift Radio. <laughs> right, 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 right. But only the serious parts where they're reading directly from, uh, you know, these primary sources. Pin. Yeah, mostly Mao's Little Red Book. <laughs> Wonderful. JP, thanks for coming on. Um, thank you so much. We know that you... Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me. We know that you like growing things. And we know you are a, uh, you know, run other leftist content. And like I said earlier, you know, um, make leftist spaces, uh, leftist communities for, for us to kind of uh, escape from the alienation of our, of our workplaces and our daily lives. Make um, leftist spaces green again. Absolutely. Ooh. I love that. Wow. I'm going to get my moss green hat with that. Right on the front where a John Deere logo would usually go. Where's a grift yeah. shop when we need him? Hey. <laughs> well, uh, you know, thank you again for coming on. And uh, and everybody should check out all of JP's projects. Also remember to check out the Dolphin Garage projects. And, uh, and uh, thanks for listening today. Thank you. Howdy, y'all. Don't forget to follow our link tree in the show notes to discover new things like our Discord, social media platforms, and all the places where you can listen to our podcast. Word of mouth is the best way to introduce us and other leftist creators to friends, family, coworkers, your AA buddies. Community is about more than hot takes online. And if you want to support our efforts, you can donate to us at patreon.com slash psychicdolphingarage, which is spelled how it sounds. Hope to see you on the stream tonight. Enjoy this music by JJ Dean. How the fuck I still got a full head of hair? Not a single gray. Fuck the cops. Family first. Every single day. Bringing a charm when I bring the alarm. My arms got a box cutter and sticky. We gotta abolish ice. We gotta abolish ice. Abolish it. No need to apologize to Holocaust apologists. For no reason we colonize the land and put up monuments. Dope needles. Dollar signs to go upstairs and astonish. I hope there'll be a punishment. I really want to get bloody. I really want to stand in judgment of anybody taking money from anybody in a struggle. Anybody Poor people getting 10 to 20 for some dumb shit Corporations incorporating a bloodlet Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless Mark my fucking words, this coup will not be bloodless Mark my fucking words this coup will not be bloodless mark my fucking words